Welcome back to The Hustle. It's John Lamoureux. All righty. Big one. I get asked all the time, who is my dream interview? And on that list, as you guys know, has consistently been our guest this week, Sananda Matreya, or as you may remember from his former persona, Terrence Trent Darby. Now, Terrence Trent Darby, as many of you know, had a number of hits going from the late 80s into the early 90s. Uh, You remember this song right here, Wishing Well, classic. Well, in the mid-90s, he changed his name and he changed his career in the process. He explains in here why that is. Um, I'll tell you more about that in a second. Anyway, changes his name, relocates to Europe, and begins what he calls, and and this, this label gets thrown around in this conversation here, post-millennium rock. That is how he has defined the music that he has been making for the last 20 years. And there's tons of it. You may or may not know that he's been putting out albums as Sananda Matreya for years. And in fact, last year, he put out an album called Prometheus and Pandora, and it's a three-disc set, 53 songs. We talk about some of those songs in here, And uh, what sparked all of this is that he is about to embark on a tour of Italy. And we're hoping, and he alludes to this possibly happening finally at the end of this conversation, to embracing the Terrence Trent Darby side of his career and going on a more global tour where he's playing those songs. He hasn't been doing that all this time. Now, I will tell you, this is a pretty heavy conversation. It's deep. I, I can't say that I understood everything. However, I will tell you that when the second when I went back and listened to this conversation, it made a lot more sense to me. He is a very thoughtful guy and you have to keep up. I had been wanting to hear from him for a long time and understand him better. And I think you will come away from this getting a better idea of who Sananda is as a person and as an artist. He called me from his home in Milan, Italy. I promise not to dwell too heavily on the past. I know that's not your favorite thing. So we may touch on it, but just very sensitively. Okay? I hope that all sounds okay. Sure. Sure. Great. You, you, you have to understand that um, it's not so much in, uh, in service to being a diva talking about or not wanting to talk about certain things. It's just that my, my blessing and my curse is that I'm a truth teller. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a self-righteous way. I just mean that I was put on this earth for a very specific reason. And that's basically just to, you know, to, to do what it is mm-hmm. that we troubadours do to further along the path of evolution of, of the people that we serve among and we serve with. Because it's very clear to me. I mean, I'm, I'm not an overtly 
crazily religious person. Mm. My spirituality simply embraces the idea that I'm not an accident and mm. that um, I was given a task and an assignment and I faithfully fulfill that task and that assignment even at the risk of death. Now, when people like myself kind of understand who and why they are, you know, we artists in general tend to be incredibly sensitive, you know, mm -hmm. and so, you know, you just try yeah. to make sure you can maintain an equilibrium to fulfill your function without going too nuts because the level of sensitivity required to be this is also the level of sensitivity usually, you know, is, is very easy to kind of influence and overwhelm. Sure. So, you know, it's yeah. also one of the reasons that I don't really expose myself too much to to media is also in order to maintain you know, a, a balance and, yeah. and an awareness of the fact that there are a lot of people who are uncomfortable with the stories that we have to tell. Well, and it seems to me, by the way, that was really beautiful, everything you just said. My thing is, I don't mind being controversial. I just don't like the perception that I'll say things recklessly to hurt people. Oh, I don't you know. I'm a I'm a huge uh, disciple of 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 Master John Lennon. So he said something that for me is a shepherd's creed. He said in one of his songs, he said, "Half of what I say is meaningless, hmm. I, but I say it just to reach you, yeah. Julia." Oh, good so, point. Yeah. You know, sometimes we are agent provocateurs, and our job is to stir things up. Our job is to take the complacency in the brain. And just to challenge what we think of it. And it takes a tremendous amount of courage to do that. Yeah. yeah. As, for example, the con controversy that, that Master Kanye got in a couple of weeks ago with mm -hmm. the slavery comment that he made. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the point isn't necessarily to be right. Sometimes the point is to challenge complacency of thinking because that is what produces a stagnation that allows us to be overtaken by the type of, type of energy that unfortunately our, our American nation is right now struggling through and struggling mm. with. I, I hadn't planned on dwelling on this topic right off the bat, but I will for a second. It, I get the impression as someone who was a fan of yours from the very beginning that you had to make some changes in your life in order to strike that balance. And when I say balance, I mean like a peace of mind, a spiritual internal balance of being creative, but also being comfortable in your own skin and who you are. I mean, it's very clear to me I, as an out, as an outsider that you've been your whole career since the mid 90s has been forging a path to find that inner peace and living in Milan and putting out loads of new music and pushing the past away. Sugar Plum Pharaoh's dance Like the Iron Pharaoh in his lighthouse Sugar Plum Pharaoh's dance I wanna lose my mindset It's been a long time for me So go slow and take it easy It's been a long time for me So go slow and take it easy a hashtag how fast in I recommend we begin Running around like a squirrel in a treehouse world Chasing pearls Like Marie Antoinette I judge my cake by the piece I get I don't want to lose my head I want to lose my mindset It's been a long time for me So go slow Take it easy. 
That's your way of coping, and we all have our ways of coping. That's yours, and as an artist, you're free to do that. Maybe I'm way off, but that's what an outsider, as an outsider, that's my perception of where it is you're coming from. Well, the coping aspect is one is one side of a coin. It's never just the one thing you have to um, you have to look at the grander picture. Hmm. I'm on assignment. This is what my assignment was. Okay, you, they, you you go through your military training. They say we're going to send you now to overseas. We're going to send you to um, a company, you know, Battery B or whatever. You take your assignment, your posting, and you serve. You serve where you where you're sent. Mm-hmm. Okay. It wasn't so I could have coped anywhere because as long as I got like, you know, my sense of, of, of who I am, my connection to the divine and, and my herb, you know what I'm saying? It's like I don't I, I don't have a hard time mm-hmm. adapting to where I am because fortunately being an artist means I can be anywhere the inspiration is and fulfill my function. Mm. And because of the because of the connectedness of the world now, the interconnectedness of the world, I can literally live in live uh in Singapore or Sing sure. Sing, it doesn't matter, and still <laughs> communicate with who wants to be communicated with. So I accepted an assignment. I was given very clearly that changing your name and identity will give you the extra time and the extra life you're looking for because I don't have to sound dramatic by saying they were absolutely not only going to kill me, I had already survived three or four attempts on my life, and that's not something the public is supposed to know. And mm. of course, have the last word because it's their writers who de- who determine what you died of, why you died, and all that bullshit. And usually it takes someone like yourself to come along later, poke around, sniff around, and start to piece together a narrative that might not be in, in collusion with the narrative that we were given to believe for the convenience of the state. Now, I'm not here to paint the state as all evil because the state is the state for a reason. And while we are in the state of consciousness that we're in, God forbid that we don't have a state to monitor our crazy asses. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because this yeah. is the truth. But when it's we have school for the time that we no longer need to be indoctrinated, <laughs> but the program is, at some point we, we wake, we, we go, okay, I can handle this. I think I know how to improvise my way through this at this point. I've been given the notes I'm supposed to use, the key I'm supposed to sing in. Okay, I'll take it from here. Mm-hmm. I was asked to shift the whole thing. Because the point is, is that providence understands casting very, very well. So it understands if you want to promote change, if you want to provoke movement, certain profiles provoke movement best simply because of the fear we have of those profiles. So the fear we have of really free, independent black dudes or any dudes for that matter, but particularly black dudes, Mm -hmm. why particularly black dudes? Because those are the ones we have to spend the most resources keeping asleep. We have to spend the most time brainwashing to forget who they are so that we can get them and everyone else who follows them to agree that it is in their best interest to allow other people and other committees to formulate an idea first of who they are, or or rather who they're comfortable living with, and then giving those people that. Uh, so that those people can then live with the people who fear them to the to the benefit of the people who fear them more comfortably. So it's like, look, this is what we need you to do, Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Friends, since you guys are very, very powerful sorcerers, since you are magicians who other people clearly listen to, 
And since the fear that we have generated about black people in our cultures in order to justify our treatment of them, since that same fear causes us to look at them more closely and more quickly than anyone else, when you're trying to promote change, Providence will often choose a profile like mine because bitches can't take their eyes off of you. Mm. Mm. The program to pay attention to what the black guy is doing. This is all of our program. I think I had read somewhere in one of your interviews that you felt there weren't enough black, there wasn't enough room on Mount Olympus, if I remember correctly, for more than two black men uh, influencing the culture as greatly as Michael and Prince did. And you felt sort of, I don't know if hamstrung is the right word, but that one of them would have had to have been knocked off in order for you to kind of rise to that level. So they knocked me off instead. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't making up a story, love. Since I was a a child, I've been reading, any book that's ever been written about a music person, whether they were classical conductor, whether they were a country songwriter, a reggae artist, a polka guy, if it was a book written about them and I had access to it, I devoured it. I Mm -hmm. read everything as a part of my assignment. I I suppose I was being prepared for the life I would have to see. And so you begin to notice patterns in the lives of all mavericks, you know, regardless. Mm-hmm. And for the record, let, please let the record show that although clearly the, the, the way we, we see black mavericks has always been more egregious, let the record show that American history has not been kind to white mavericks either. Mm. Okay, we, yeah. we're just not maverick-friendly bitches. Okay? Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> okay, so, you yeah. know, it... You, you may, they may, you know, I mean, Buddy Holly, I'm sorry. I mean, these mm-hmm. guys, mm-hmm. these are my ancestors. These are my sure. spiritual ancestors. And, you know, they take the color assignment that Providence needs them to take in order to serve. All these bitches are angels. Mm-hmm. I mean, Buddy Holly, Marvin Gaye, mm-hmm. you know, Elvis. John Lennon. All John, all these bitches are angels of yeah. Providence who take on evolutionary lives to help move the rest of us past the Donald Trumps of the world and sure. past these fear guardians mm-hmm. and the gatekeepers who basically have, you know, since the beginning of, of time, the, the stories and the narratives and the myths is that there were angels who were jealous of the creation of man. And so to this day, we still have a fight to fight past certain energies and entities. Let me ask you something, you know, going back to the number of black artists, we'll call it male artists specifically of your era. And, um, and, and if I could quantify also what I was saying before, sure. again, it wasn't about the black thing. It was about it was about the consciousness thing. You see, yeah. if me, my, me, Michael and Prince were, 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 were peas from a pod, we were, we were sure that we were from the same cloud. Mm. Then we disperse into smaller clouds and we, we form our assignment. We were like a part of a group soul. Okay, a big mothership, and then the mothership then come out of the mothership comes all these little smaller spaceships, and they do their thing. They go to their assigned places, and they work their, they work their magic. The problem is, and I say this with pride in my heart, because this was one of the things we were sent to do. Mm-hmm. Myself, Michael Prince, and Madonna in particular are really responsible, very responsible for what you now see of the multicultural society or the sure. appearance thereof. Mm-hmm. Because even the amount of people who now call themselves biracial exponentially increased after our generation came through. I can because see that. That, was, that was one of the things we were given to do. We were given to basically, you know, 
we're, we're so stupid. If there's a master race, it's, it's actually all of us back together again. You know, I mean, yeah. quite, we, we, there is a, there was a golden race. And if you put all the people back together, that's exactly what you come back to is a golden race. And they, and they would actually, the, the irony is the master race is actually the golden race of all of us collectivized back together in a consciousness that can understand the futility of resenting and rejecting our individual strands and pieces. Hmm. I mean, we were actually meant, I mean, it's, it's what, what, what really moves me is if you really take a step back, take a deep breath or take a, take a deep bong hit, I think nobody was more perfectly made to serve one another than black and white people. Yeah. I mean, they're the perfect fit for one another. Yeah. As far as providing the the balance of what the other one, you know, doesn't Mm -hmm. provide. They're Mm -hmm. just a perfect fit. And when I've seen relationships, friendships, Mm -hmm. not just talking about, you know, whatever, you know, uh, marriages, but just friendships between, you know, black dudes and white dudes. And it's, it's genuine. It's real. You can see a comfort. I, I believe that one of the problems our society has is that white women actually miss the presence, the closer presence and interaction of black women in our society. Mm. That after integration for very many political reasons was taken away. So now there's this chasm between two tribes, which once upon a time, when it was closer, we helped one another. So the bottom line is, a lot of the friction, the the the, race, the so-called racial friction, because it's only the human race, mm-hmm. but a lot of the so-called racial friction is actually resentment that circumstances have separated us from one another and taken us so far from one another when we're so naturally suited to one another. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. I never thought of it that way before, but you're right. There's some truth in that for sure. Okay. You know, and the problem is, the problem is we paint these people like myself, Prince and Michael, I'm using again about when I said more than two black people. Not just black people. It was the type of people that we are. First of all, we were all either mixed race ourselves or in our consciousness. Mm-hmm. This is why we were taken from Olympus, because we knew who we were. And because there was no way and and they and they actually do believe in the laws that manifest for some of us as superstitions, like numbers, for example. So three is a magic number. Three is a charm. Third mm-hmm. time's a charm. You get the third wave, and all of a sudden, yeah. the thing takes hold. So yes, I was a political casualty. There is no doubt. Mm. It was also clear that, as it has been for generations of artists, that Europe is always a much kinder place for artistic expression and for basically the freedom of an individual to do what they can to delight the minds of the people that they're serving and not risk being too heavily punished for it. Dude, I'm not interested in drawing you a black picture of life. I'm not interested in drawing you. I'm, that's, that's, the time has come and gone for that. We've, sure. We have already sent people in our line to serve that. But, you know, Elvis was the clarion call. Elvis was no fucking joke. It was no accident. Yeah. Elvis was the intent that we are now moving into an era where we expect our consciousness to see the value that we hold for one another. Mm. And that, you know, we, we can't go around basically dictating to people anymore who they are. Okay. I want to switch directions a little bit and talk about music. Because it's funny. I, I wanted to go into this and make it... Uh, I wanted you to feel like you could just talk about the good, fun stuff about being a creative person. And so I want to give you a platform to do that. Um, But I want to start with telling you that uh, how I became a fan of yours in the first place. 
I remember very well in the middle of the night back in about 1987. This would have been either after Friday Night Videos or uh, Saturday Night Live. I don't remember. There was a program on TV. I grew up in Salt Lake City. And it was um, it was showing the Montreux Rock Festival, I believe. And you were on there. And I'd never heard of you before. And if I remember right, you had sort of like a green and tan checkered shirt on or something like that and the braids and everything. And I just came away electrified by this person that I was seeing. Cut to a month or two later, and for the first time I see If You Let Me Stay on MTV. And I'm thinking, there's my guy. That's the guy I just saw on TV in the middle of the night that I loved so much. Now, cut to a few months after that, you came in concert in Salt to Salt Lake City, and yeah. uh, and I remember this day very well because it the uh, my report card came out that day, and I didn't get very good grades. And my my punishment for not getting good enough grades was that I couldn't go to your concert. So my oh. mom, yeah. So my mom took me and my friend Todd Miller. Uh, this was 1988. This was before the internet and everything. So she drove us to the venue, which would have been the Salt Palace or some somewhere near the yes. Salt Palace, yeah. um, to sell our tickets to somebody. We weren't having any luck. And so she said, you know what, guys, just go ahead and go. I'll come back and pick you up. And uh, it was so good. And you either, you kicked off the show, I believe, with either, with Under My Thumb or Jumpin' Jack Flash, and you ended with the other. I can't remember which was which. But yeah. I, I will never forget what you said about one or two songs in, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically, you know, they told me not to come to Salt Lake City because of all the Mormons. And you said, now, do Mormons like to rock and roll? And everyone clapped and erupted. And then you said, do Mormons like to fuck? And the place went crazy, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I've never forgotten that. And I was 14 years old when I went to that concert. And so... Uh, oh. I, I didn't a, mean to wake you up too fast. No, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, uh, it was, yeah, I was a Mormon, you know, I was a Mormon teenager who was kind of getting his mind blown, but in a good way. Cause I, and so I've been a fan ever since. So I wanted to let you know where my, where the roots of my fandom go back to is in I, that I moment. There's many memories attached to his life. I, I kind of had to go through some kind of psychic operation when I changed names, but I, but believe it. I, I do have some, I do to retain some memories and, I actually remember coming to Salt Lake City because, again, everybody was like, oh, why are you going to Salt Lake City? Anyway, I've never been that kind of guy to even take mm-hmm. that kind of shit seriously. But sure. everybody's like, why are you going to Salt Lake City? All blah, blah, blah. And it's boring. It's like, you won't find any pot. You won't find anything. It's like a dry town, all the shit. And dude, as soon as I got to the fucking hotel, there were these two like Amazon 
Amazon Mormon chicks like were waiting for me. <laughs> and like basically like two fucking angels. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some like straight out of Joseph Smith and like <laughs> ushered me up into my fucking room and banged the shit out of me. And no I was like, way. Way, and I was like, I mean, they could have converted me anyway. I was an Osmonds fan, right? Right, right. And I, you know, anyway, they could have converted me right there—the sure. white underwear and everything. You did, yes. <laughs> you know, because I also come Classic. from a, I also come from a, a tradition where the kind of rep repression is smoldering and right under the surface. Uh -huh. when you start, anything might erupt like a volcano. You know? Yeah, I know that oppression very well. Yes. <laughs> so having been raised by the Pentecostals, yeah. I mean, you know, we become acutely aware of the presence of sexual tension yeah. and all of that kind of stuff. So, of course, now, you know, if I were looking at it and and, and I learned also the same, you know, like with, with the more strictly Catholic and the more strictly religious a place is, I have the more ripe, willing, and waiting. <laughs> God bless them. Yeah. That's funny. I've interviewed so many people, and uh, so many of them have told me similar things. That when they came through Salt Lake City, surprisingly, that's where they partied harder than they did anywhere else. Absolutely. Yeah. It was shocking. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, again, it's that, that, that repression and partying go very, very well together. It's the aftermath. It's the guilt in the aftermath. That's the, the, the bitch. Right? That's exactly <laughs> it. Carrying that stuff around, for sure. So anyway, I wanted you to know, I wanted to tell you that story because I was there and that's when it all began for me. So I've been trying to make this happen with you for like three years. And every time I reach out to Margarita, the timing is never right. And when I saw the post that you made recently on Facebook about this Italian tour that you're going to go on, and I believe the wording in the post was something about, you know, telling stories of my survival. And I thought, that's really fascinating. It sounds as if uh, maybe Sananda is opening up in a new way or he's open to, I don't know, like what's different about this tour and this, what you're focused on doing now that is different from anything you would have done in the past. I was curious. Um, well, a lot of it just simply has to do with the old cliche of timing. Mm. There were certain processes that until I cleared those processes and those hurdles, I couldn't come to this stage. Even the building of the, of the post millennium rock catalog, I knew at some point it was inevitable that I was going to have to turn around and face the totality of what I had created and not just the post-millennium rock portion. Hmm. But I had to get post-millennium rock to the place where I felt its, its own personal mountain was already established and I didn't have to do anything anymore but simply go in whatever direction I, I then wanted to go hmm. to then, you know, to make a long explanation a little shorter if I can. I, I understood that I was creating two poles and at some point I would then have to unify those two poles. Hmm. But okay. until, until the South Pole had been created for me to the value of what value the North Pole had been given, it didn't make any sense and it was, it was even going to be a great distraction emotionally and psychologically. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I was very fortunate to be in a position where I, I could walk away, leave that life alone mm -hmm. while I was building another life and even be eagerly supported by a whole new generation of people who had only actually discovered me through the, 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 this particular life since the age of the Internet. Hmm. And, and let me give some background as well. I, since the mid 90s, have been planning these Internet moves because I was already hearing and being prepared for the in, in eventuality 
we are kind of kept in a bubble. And consequently, some of the advantages of that bubble are you are often 15 to 20 years ahead of information that the public will be uh, given because you're close to the to the center of creation. I mean, mm. we mustn't kid ourselves. Hollywood is a world nexus for world propaganda, not just mm -hmm. American propaganda. Mm -hmm. It is the center of programming on planet Earth. How we determine we are going to program people to see themselves goes through Hollywood, television, films, then other industries copy it. And so that's the, that's the blueprint right yeah, there. Yeah. So often we are clued in on what the plan is to move like, you know, the people from one place to the next place. And of course, many of us agree and many of us disagree. And hence, why a lot of us are quarantined and kept away from the people, precisely because we do have a persuasive value. And there's the fear that we might say something out of turn to confuse things. Mm. And if they have to whack you, they whack you. It's no... I mean, they do have an element of the game that is not sentimental about these things. They're thinking about the big picture. Mm -hmm. They got to whack a couple fucking shepherds, mm -hmm. then they do it. You know, meantime, mm -hmm. you have enough to get smart enough to know how to stick and move, how to box, how to weave in, throw a couple punches, weave back out before they get frustrated yeah. and get squad after you yeah. or whatever. Mm. It also helps to know who you are. And, you know, if, if you do know who you are and you know that they know that you know, it is a kind of barrier protection. But since the mid-90s, this was my move. My plan was I knew that the salvation of what I wanted to do and project was going to come through social media and the internet. Mm -hmm. And so I had been stockpiling since the mid-90s a lot of the stuff that Sony had been rejecting or, or I just knew they weren't capable of seeing me on the level I saw myself. Right, right. And either were they going to support it because, of course, they were afraid of how I saw myself. Let me ask you this. When you perform now, do, I don't even know. Do you, um, that's the one and only time I've ever seen you in concert was that show. Do you even play the old stuff or is that, have you eliminated even those until, hits? Until, until now, I haven't played them. I, I haven't really? even had to play them. Well, that, no, that's fine. That's my next question. And I was able to create a completely different catalog. And, mm -hmm. and I'm, in fact, I'm now in talks with, with, with the publisher about, you know, I'm, now I'm asked all the time, hey, would you put together a compilation for us, Post Millennium Rock, so we can nice. we can promote it, you know, so we can put it out there because clearly there's there's a huge market for it. Yeah. Okay. That's something that they see. They don't come and they're not a charity. So it's sure. them that says, oh, wow, let's promote this. But also because I deliberately put myself on the path to not necessarily have to answer as much to that live no, so I, I stayed, understand. Yeah. Stayed away from certain places, certain mm -hmm. venues. I worked with certain promoters. And I even worked as a trio for almost 10 years just to also expand the idea that I wasn't in that old world. I was, if I couldn't do it as a trio, which was a great time for me uh, as an artist to grow, then, then I didn't have to, I wasn't responsible for the material. So even the audience was conditioned to acclimate it that if you're coming, you're coming because. We're building a new platform. Yeah, you like what I'm doing now, not yes. the past. Yeah, got it. Okay, yeah, that was going to be my question. Now, now, Prometheus and Pandora mm -hmm. allows me to open up the 30 years.
even if I'm not working with Sony anymore, you know, I do get reminders, sentimental reminders from time to time that they would love to do something to honor 30 years of, you know, this. Yeah. Or, would I participate in this or that? And so, you know, there there is that now. And again, let me also say, as, as much as I'm taking up a long time with this answer, of most significant value was the fact that at least three or four of my friends, close friends, died while I was making Prometheus and Pandora. Really? I, I was finished with it when, when Master Petty died. Mm. But I was very close to Tom because, yeah. you know, he was a huge hero for me. He was a Florida boy. Sure. Like I was. And he and he was one of those artists that provided one of those pull the car over moments where you have to check out what you're hearing on the radio. Like, you know, the first time I heard Refugee, my life fucking changed. And when I found out he was like a Florida boy, you know, like a, a redneck boy, a hillbilly son, and he was doing this really cool mixture of, I mean, basically I recognized myself in him so he was huge for me and then when i came mm. out to la we we had a chance to like buddy up and shit and you know all that old bullshit and you know um you know be able to smoke with your heroes it's sure. like just one of the coolest things ever <laughs> yeah i bet i bet you know and he was always so supportive sure. so but i was finished with it yeah but that still hit me but it, it was like a season but particularly when when master prince and george michael died i was very close to both of them and it hit me really hard. And I'm not a person who gives a fuck about death one way or another. Mm -hmm. But, you know, my father, I'm 56 now, and my father died at 56. And Master Prince died at 57. Mm. And Beethoven died at 56. And, and George died at 56. And, you know, and Michael died at like 50. Uh, uh, yeah. 54, I think, I want to say. Maybe I'm wrong. With that at 52 or 40, something like that. Yeah. And, and it's just a plethora of my associates were just popping off like at the same time. So, of course, it really affected my relationship to the past. I bet. It had to, you know, and, and, yeah. from, and, and of course, after they died, because I'm still very connected to them, I did start to feel their own guidance saying, mm. It's time for us to let go of those things now because we it's it served its purpose, me avoiding the past. Sure. It served its purpose very well. And so, you know, I began to get the feeling that with the death of, of my very close friends, fuck it. Just fuck yeah. it. Good. Oh, that's that is the lead. That's what I was curious about. Because, you know, those first four albums, I mean, I'm not please keep in mind, Sonanda, I am not saying anything is better than the post-millennium rock. I'm not implying any of that. But those four albums mean a lot to a lot of people, you know? Beautiful soul, don't keep it in. Can you transform the pain you feel?
those things get forgotten. You know, that people don't remember that you made an impact at one time 30 years ago and that that, that stuff could still make an impact if you felt warm to the idea of, you know, putting it but, back but, out but, there. But you have to understand that there's a lot of game that's been played. And, 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 and the truth yeah. is, what a, no, because I'm, I'm, you're, you're talking in relation to your life and I really appreciate that. I do. But there is also that same passion on the other side you know, and for a while I needed mm. that. And in fact, there was a rift, not that I monitored it much, but I was being told that there was a rift between those who had discovered now, the last 10, 15 years, and those who were before. Mm. Of course, sometimes it's just a matter of programming. It's like, hey, I don't recognize that. I don't recognize yeah. that name. I'm staying here. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. You know, it's fair enough. And I had to go through all of that. Yeah. And I had to be willing to walk away from that completely. But I had so much news. I had so much stuff to do. I mean, e you know, even before I had the chance to leave Malibu, when I was which was the last place I lived in America, I had been stockpiling and stockpiling all of this stuff, knowing as soon as I was free, mm -hmm. I would finally be able to put together the full and complete, you know, unadulterated vision of what the shit was when other people are not in the way with with yeah. all of the politics and all of the all this other stuff and the you know, and the programming that they want you to consider so that other people don't consider themselves differently. So it's not like I don't understand the value of what that was. But I also understand the value of brainwashing whereby they had me believing that, oh no, people have forgotten. Hmm. So why don't you just go away with your little post-million rock? Hmm. But the irony is that when I was meditating on the new life, I was told, I was given very clearly to know in meditation that ironically, you taking a new life is going to raise the old life as well from the grave. Sure. Because mm -hmm. they buried it. I didn't. Yeah. For me to be that guy that was going to run around like a chicken with his head cut off, trying to resurrect something that someone else had buried and put on the ground, mm. that wasn't me. And I wasn't going to use my energies doing that. I was going to be the guy to build a new house, yeah. new place, and let those bitches lament that they blew up my first place. Yeah, let I could see that. Let them be the ones to come back and say, oh, we're terribly sorry. But now that we see the value of the whole of the whole situation, yeah. we would like if you would consider helping mm -hmm. us resurrect what we destroyed. That makes sense, and and I like I like you talking about one house getting burned down and the new house being constructed. And I understand your probably your favoritism and your preference for post millennium rock side of your career. But you obviously pride yourself on being a a an artist first and foremost. Couldn't the couldn't the Sananda story of uh, as an artist incorporate all of it, especially at this point? Not, You've until, had 30 it was, something... not until it was ready, John. Not mm. until it was mm. ready. Well, that makes sense. But are you saying it's ready now? Because it would, it uh, as a fan of yours, I would think it now would be the great time. Look, I've got this 30 years breadth of everything, R&B, post-millennium. I got a little bit of everything in my in my repertoire here, and it's all good. And I'm going to share all of it with you. I built this thing over 30 years. I may not have built it the way you wanted to build it, but I did it my way, and now I can celebrate all of it. Do you ever view that, view what you've done in that way? I'm a bit concerned with some of the semantical aspects of um, what you might have said, but in the essence okay. of it, yeah, I mean, it's like, look, the bottom line is I was not going to let those fuckers who killed me define me, period. Yeah, they were yeah, going to have yeah. a last word. Hmm. I've read too much history already. I knew what was waiting for bitches like me. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't shocked by it. I just had to live through it anyway. 
But it wasn't like I was shocked that they had a problem promoting my profile. Because clearly, you mentioned names of people who were created to, 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 to shadow me. Hmm. I mean, all due respect. I mean, again, they can sit up here and say, oh, people have forgotten. No, they haven't. Hmm. That certain, certain people in the Hoi Polloi have forgotten. But the people that matter haven't forgotten because mm -hmm. I see his evidence all over the fucking place. I see the fact that like maybe a third of all great athletes of, of the last two generations were named after one of his fucking names. That mm -hmm. wasn't a coincidence. I see the great impact he left on society. Mm -hmm. But he didn't need a motherfucker. He didn't need a motherfucker to say, oh, well, you know, you did this, you did that. Of, of course, it, it, he still has people making tons of money whose job it was to shadow him in the first place. Mm. There are people now in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame who are only there because of him. Okay, so it's not like I'm not aware of that, mm -hmm. but I was given a mission and an assignment, mm. and I wasn't going to deviate from that on no condition whatsoever until those same know-it-all bitches who expect you to just fold your tail when things get tough and come running back to the money they stole from you. Yeah. No, I, I no, no. I had to prove I'm Providence's boy. Mm. I do what Providence demands. I don't listen to Babylon. I work with Babylon. I don't work for Babylon, and that's my assignment. Until the Ark was complete, I, I guess I mean Ark, literally in both in both aspects of its meaning, the the is the boat sense, and the sense of uh, uh, an Ark of achievement, where a curve where you finally come to a point where you can say. As you've suggested, yes. Now I can turn around and I can face the whole thing because I've got the whole accordion stretched now. Mm. Now you can see from my left to my right hand what my bag of intentions were. Without all these bitches' opinions and self-righteous attitudes and brainwashing and people who wanted me to really seriously buy into the idea that they somehow had a much better idea of who I was than I did myself, which is among the most patronizing things you can possibly try to convince another human being. So at some point, yes, it was inevitable. It's not like I'm not proud of having stayed up, contributed 30 years consistently, mm -hmm. solidly. I'm very proud of my work ethic, but I'm most proud of the fact that against incredibly egregious odds and against knowing that basically the path my heroes had taken before me most of them never got this far mm -hmm. once they went off the grid. Mm -hmm. So I'm incredibly proud of, of what I did, what I had to do, and how I made a success out of the bitterest lemons possible that now people come to me for this fresh lemonade. Mm -hmm. And you know, now both sides are kind of wanting to rec reconcile. But basically I had to raise two families first. Sure. And 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 it's it's strange because even in my in my, in my real life, I'm kind of seeing how people from the past with whom I had to separate myself and had issues, you know, kind of come to their own epiphanies and, and, and want to basically, hey, please forgive us for the role yeah. we play in distancing you from your life. But, you know, we can't help but admire that, you know, you kind of stuck to it and put together something that, you know, yeah, you can't really d d deny that it exists. But... It took the death as well of my colleagues hmm. to even be reached at a point emotionally. I could see that. To be forwarded to the next point. Was, of course I was going to get there eventually. At some point, 
the, the money was just going to get stupid. Mm-hmm. And I was there and go, okay, well, there's no reason for me to turn on this stupid easy money. But since I don't work for money, but with it, I had to arrive at a natural place where when I play those songs for you, I don't have any resentment. Or that makes sense. Yes. At all. That's, that's, the, that's the heart of it all right there. That relates back, I'm sure, to everything we've been talking about and the the search for the peace of mind that it feels like you've been on for a while, this mission. And I hope, as a fan of yours, that you can get to a place where it's all good. You know, the whole story incorporates all of it and there's value in all of it and that you're comfortable telling the entire story, not the first half or the second half over the other, the whole story. Even even for the last decade, I've had Hollywood... Mm -hmm. In essence, saying, "Can we tell your story now? Hmm. Can we tell your story?" No, e- even even documentaries I haven't allowed yet. No, I can see that because I was still living out the ending of this particular chapter, the conclusion. Yeah. yeah. And so, like you said, it, it it did have to come to a conclusion. Makes sense. It couldn't be my mother pushing me. It couldn't be fans yeah. pushing me. It had to be the totality of events that finally matured and ripened me to a point where. I could embrace the songs now the same way I embrace songs by the songs of the Beatles. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Well, then we all win. If you're, if you're, um, if you're finally warming to that idea, then we all win because then we get the full Sananda story. And I think that's what uh, people deserve. I think that's what value. uh, This is who am I? I mean, you don't care what I think, but I'm telling you as a fan anyway. That uh, there's merit to this entire story. Before we move too far off, I want to slot in because I think it's important. You have a new single, Birds Are Singing, um, that is out there that you're promoting. thing I love about this song is that it uh, it's basically you saying, you know what, I've, I let go of a lot of stress today and I feel great about it. And I'm so glad that I did. And that seems to be kind of the Sananda mantra, you know, I mean, everything you've said leading up to this moment here has, has uh, validated that. That seems to be where you're at. Like, I'm not going to deal with the stress. The only reason I'm asked to live these experiences is is because you are, and because we have to communicate with one another as honestly as possible, because 
if your experience is not validated, it doesn't add the same value to your experience. And, and you walk away with too much confusion. The point is for all of us to get to a level of satisfaction where when I say satisfaction, I don't necessarily mean we have to be rubbing our belly and, you know, and licking our lips mm -hmm. and cream off of our lips. But I mean that sense of satisfaction where all of a sudden it begins to make sense why you accepted the role you accepted. Why it begins to all fall into place, hmm. why you took on the shit that you judge yourself for, for having taken on. Okay, that one of my fundamental personal mantras that I share with my friends and I'll share with you and, your, and yours mm -hmm. is it's not your fault. It's your karma. We blame ourselves too much. It's like, oh, oh, but, and we, if we were awake, if we were conscious, if we were observing consciously what we were doing, we would see that we were handed a set of cards, a set of circumstances. That's why we say, oh, he played the race card, or mm. he played the gender card. We're given cards. We're given a set of circumstances and a direction. If we're lucky, we're also given an affliction because affliction makes it that much easier to follow direction. Because without any affliction at all, you can actually wind up with a much more confusing and, le and, and, and um, less validated experience, okay? But mm -hmm. to have something like an affliction to guide and overcome provides a discipline, a, a focus that, you know, we can then galvanize everything else towards. But it's like we accept an assignment. This is not the final destination. You know, we've been mm -hmm. keeping told all a dream, it's all an illusion. We're here for a reason, and we're here dreaming this dream for a reason. Mm -hmm. And you are a spirit that has accepted the cross that you accepted. Mm -hmm. okay, Jesus says to take up your cross and follow me, because he knew you too would be given a cross, and that you too could use some help and some validation that the bearing of your cross is worthy, and that it may not actually be your fault, but just your karma. You're mm. given these circumstances. All you did was respond as you would, given the model of the universe you're given, given the programming you're given on how to see yourself. How could you have responded other than you did respond? And when you can accept that, mm. when you can go, he's right, it's not my fault, it's my karma. So fine, I don't need to judge what happened. I just need to integrate what happened move it through, and then become the stronger, wiser, wittier person because of it, as well as a person less afraid now of accommodating circumstances, because I see that I'm becoming a master mm -hmm. of circumstances. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my, my job, I am given what I am given only, not, not just so I can sit play with my dick and count my money, okay? <laughs> I'm giving it so that you and, and us, the, our brothers and sisters on planet Earth who recognize the sounds that they hear when they do, that, you know, this is the, this is the gig. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, it's not just about beating yourself up and, 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 and this idea of perfection is toxic. We're not meant to be perfect. We're just meant to fucking get on with it mm. and try to be as fair to ourselves as possible. If we're as fair to ourselves as possible, we won't worry so much about whether we're fair to other people. Everything will naturally follow the law when we have the, our correct priorities and how we perceive ourselves in motion. That's mm. my only job. Okay. My job is it's okay to get caught up in the drama and the dream because that's why we're here. We're here to participate in the dream. But okay, let's remind ourselves when, I, when our blood pressure starts going up, 
you know, when we start getting heart palpitations, anxiety attacks, just take a step back, do a Zen breath. If you can find a window, open the fucker, mm -hmm. find the birds, listen, and just bring yourself back into the moment. Mm -hmm. I like that. Well, um, that's a good place to close out. And uh, so I wanted to let you know, Sananda, I find you ultimate, uh, infinitely, eternally fascinating. And I wish you the best uh, artistically and creatively. And yes. I hope selfishly for myself that you'll come back to the States, specifically Denver, Colorado, where I am, and put on a show. And I don't care what you play. Just play something so I can be there and participate. Okay. Well, you you can you can bet that all the states where like where the marijuana is fucking legal <laughs> first first priority. That's what I figured. You come spend a week here, okay? I'll even drive you around if you want. They call it the Mile High City in anticipation. That's right. That's right. They planned that years ago. There you have it, Sananda Matreya. Heavy stuff, isn't it? It is. But, um, you know, I'm, I wish we had gotten into more music. I, uh, I don't feel like we talked about specific songs or, cause you guys know, I like to sprinkle those songs in. We had to kind of, sh you know, squeeze or shoehorn some things in just so you got, you know, the full breadth of everything that he's been doing. Having said all that, I, we're closing it out here with another song off the Prometheus and Pandora album. This is called Hail Mary. And like I said, there is a load of music that under the Sananda moniker that is worth your time to check out. If you're at all curious, if you lost track when the former persona ended, check it out. It's all on Spotify. It's all on iTunes. There's lots of it. So he's very prolific. And hopefully, hopefully he finds a way in a way that's comfortable to him to kind of merge the old and the new in a way that he's happy with and uh, can go back out on tour or whatever. I, you know, I just wish him the best. Now, I, I have to give a special thanks to his press person, Margarita. As you guys may know, I have been trying to make this happen for three years, and it was never the right time until now. So thank you, Margarita, for letting me bug you for three years. I appreciate that. I, I'll be honest, I may change my mind, but I think what we're going to end up doing is I think the next four weeks are going to be British bands primarily of the 80s that had hits big hits in the states big hits worldwide now the first one is more of like a college rock alternative band but from there it's just it's all songs you know i i'm not 100 percent sure on that because i feel like i've had so many kind of time sensitive interviews pop up that i'm sitting on some interviews that were done like months ago that I just have not been able to put out there because the timing hasn't been right. And I like to bunch things together. And so there's, you know, I figure, well, let's get all the British ones out now. And then when those are done, we'll get some of the American ones out after that. Anyway, I may change it up, but I think that's what I'm going to do. So, um, yeah, if you like British alternative or British pop of the 80s, that's what the next month or so is probably going to be made up of. Huge thanks, as always, to my right-hand man, Yan the Man Makevich. Thank you, buddy, for everything and being my partner with this. And you guys know by now, you can find us on iTunes, and you can write us a review. <laughs> Why don't you do that? Anyway, and thank you to all the people that have been doing that lately. You can find us on Facebook, I was going to say, and you can like our page, and you can send us a message on there, or you can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. There should be a bonus episode coming out this week 
with a uh, rock documentary filmmaker. Love you guys. We'll talk to you all later.